0: Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental.
1: And here's your 30-second summary.
0: You are cordially invited to an intimate discussion about the life of a woman whose upbringing was simple and austere. Yet she grew up to live a life of high society, the White House, and whose name still lives on as the gold standard of hosting. Répondé, sign up, The end. Let's talk about Dolly Madison. She was born in 1768, let's, so let's just place her in history. The uh, In that year, the first mustard manufactured in America is marketed in Philadelphia. The first bachelor's degree in the new world of medicine is issued to a Dr. John Archer. That year, the first edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica is published in Scotland. And on May 20th, Dolly Payne Todd Madison was born to Mary and John Payne in New Garden, North Carolina. Let's talk about Dolly Madison. Yes, let. She was the third of eight children four boys and four girls. She was raised in a Quaker family in uh, Virginia, and then the family moved to Philadelphia.
1: The thing is, her dad, who they were, she was raised a Quaker. Mm-hmm. And they um, they don't believe in war, and they don't believe in slavery. Ironically, he went to fight in the Revolutionary War, and he had a lot of slaves. <laughs> so he so, hmm. so we ju- we can't judge no, his I Quakerness. Don't, yeah, I don't know about his background. But the thing is about about the slaves. They moved to Philadelphia. Uh, I guess he had gotten a, a bit of conscience, and they he freed all his slaves, mm-hmm. and that's when they moved to Philadelphia when she was
0: about fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't educated in that either in Virginia or in uh, Philadelphia. She was not educated. In school, although the Quakers they did do educate at home, mm-hmm. there were classes when they moved to Philadelphia for children within the Quaker community. But she did probably did not attend as she was fifteen, which would have been over the age that the education was geared towards. So she was she was done. Physically, she was fairly tall for the time. She was five six. She had black hair and blue eyes. So physically, very striking woman. You know, the dark hair and the blue eyes, that's always too cool. She met and married a proper
1: Quaker young man, John Todd, with the approval of the community and married uh, when she was 21. And as you know from the Abigail Adams podcast, that's just about average age. Uh-huh. They didn't tend to marry young. The men were expected to have their livelihoods well in hand by the time right. they got married. And he so. was
0: a lawyer, mm-hmm. very much like John Adams. Mm-hmm. So they had two sons in three years. But unfortunately, John and the youngest son, who was only three months old, died of a yellow fever when she was 25. So it wasn't a very long marriage. And at the end of it, she was a short time. She was a widow and she'd lost a son. And she still, she still had one son. John Payne Todd was his name. It's kind of her husband's fault that they
1: both died. As a matter of fact, because he had the, the forethought to send his young wife and his two young children away to a seaside resort while he stayed in town to be the brave man and mm-hmm. fight. He had
0: actually caught
1: yellow fever and he didn't realize it and he came back too soon and he infected the whole family. Mm.
0: So it's was hard time. To- I mean, burying yeah. your husband. And a son of such a young age. So Dolly was quite the catch. She had
1: inherited, obviously, upon the death of her husband, his small-ish but respectable fortune. And it was said that a core of would-be husbands <laughs> idled around the, the head of her street. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was Circling famous. Her, uh, her respectable Quaker girlfriends used to say, Look down, Dolly, for goodness sake, you know, <laughs>
0: everyone's staring at you. Yeah. I'm sure she just hated that. Yeah, who <laughs> no, knows? Not so much. Now, Aaron Burr, who had stayed in, Dolly's mother had run a boarding house, and Aaron Burr had stayed there. And he introduced James Madison, who was then a congressman, to to Dolly. They had a very quick courtship. He was a very unprepossessing looking man.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he was about the same height as she was, 5'6 or so, but it was said that he hardly ever got over 100 pounds. Oh, my. And he had some kind of digestive upset and basically existed on gruel, oatmeal, you know, Yeah. Uh, for most of the time. He couldn't gain. How game odd game.
0: that he's marrying a Quaker. I'm sorry. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I never even thought about that. <laughs> sorry about that. That's
1: awesome. Um, he was kind of a hypochondriac, but the thing is, little James Madison was... A very, very intelligent man. He became the most trusted advisor to Thomas Jefferson when Thomas Jefferson was the governor of Virginia. Mm-hmm. He relied, Thomas Jefferson, on everything he said, basically, that he would do it. He was also great friends with George Washington, believe it or not. These are friends to have. Mm-hmm. Um, George Washington had kind of vaguely mentioned at a dinner party to James Madison that He really wanted the 13, you know, 13 states to kind of get together under one major head of state, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, I don't know what to do about that. And who was the one that figured out how to do it? That was James Madison. Yay. Yeah, he's, he's a serious politician. Serious politician. And he is not a Quaker. He is not a Quaker. The thing is, her husband basically wrote the whole constitution. Mm -hmm. The whole constitution. But, he wisely gave it to a better public speaker, a better-looking, more forceful man, to mm-hmm. deliver the, pre- you know, they called it the Virginia Plan, mm-hmm. got his. But he's the writer of the Constitution. That's a big deal. But he was super famous. Yeah. Super
0: famous. And we just, a lot of people don't realize that.
1: Yeah. And um, the thing is, he he isn't a Quaker. And when she married him, the Quakers wrote her out. And she, they kind of
0: shunned her. And they so, yep. So they shunned her and she left behind her dull clothes because the clothing of the Quakers was black and and, And gray and simple and the... Clothing of a social life for the time, Mm-hmm. not so much.
1: And he had encouraged her to shed her Quaker clothing because he had gained enough prestige that he he viewed her as an asset to his career. Mm-hmm. It's kind of he was in love with her. Mm-hmm. She not so much in love with him at the beginning. She actually wrote to her friend uh, the day of her wedding, and she signed it Dolly P- uh, Payne Todd. And then she got married and came back, and underneath wrote Dolly Madison. Alas,
0: alas. <laughs> That's not She would good. only know what that name would end up meaning.
1: <laughs> the thing is, he was kind of tricky. Aaron Burr thought he was going to marry Dolly Madison.
0: Mm-hmm. He had a
1: wife dying of cancer back in Virginia, and he was awaiting the news. Everyone knew the second he got that letter. Mm-hmm. He was going to propose to Dolly Madison.
0: Mm -hmm. Not cool.
1: And so, or Dolly, you know, Todd Todd, at the time. And so James Madison decided on a preemptive strike. (laughs) So he advocated, hey, let's send Aaron Burr to France to be the (laughs) ambassador. Hey everybody, won't, won't that be a great idea? That's a great idea. And unfortunately he ran up against the fact that George Washington hated Aaron Burr with all of his soul and would not stand for it, but he was so public in his prestigious backing of mm-hmm. this, this, you know, yeah. ambassadorship. Yeah. That yeah. was a yeah. big deal that Aaron Burr felt very, very grateful and he was kind of forced to introduce, he didn't want to introduce James Madison, famous rock star. Yeah, rock star. Super smart girl. Yeah. I mean, no way. She's a catch. But he kind of had to. Dolly was kind of excited because he was, like I said, pretty famous. Mm -hmm. She was excited and wrote to someone that the great little Madison, which is what everyone called him, the great little Madison (laughs) wanted to come see her. (laughs) And then after they met, he actually had two women friends write, my friend thinks you're cute letters.
0: (laughs) I love this part. <laughs> is this... Is this uh, yes, so that is a, that's awesome. Um, one of the... the it's wi- so real, though. I mean, you yeah. know...
1: He was using all the weapons mm-hmm. in his arsenal, so he pulled in, and it wasn't appropriate for, you know, men to really write her. She was unmarried, and, you know, and he didn't know any of her intimate men friends mm-hmm. or whatever, but right. women... Women could write to each other oh, sure. all day. Absolutely. And so his friend Isaac Coles, a senator, had a wife that was like, Okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. And so she wrote this He couldn't stop talking about you and you could. could you believe such a great man is really you know, uh-huh. blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> and then he pulled in the heavy guns and had Mrs. George Washington write a letter. Well, I hope you're taking him seriously, she said. <laughs> he is a great catch and make a
0: fine husband for you and you know, a week later, you know. He proposed that's a much wiser choice than Aaron Burr would have been.
1: Yeah. He he had, he, yeah. He was not so good. Um, She got married at her little sister's estate, and her little sister married um, George Washington's nephew. So keeping it all in the family. That's right. Madison loved her so much that with his whole being, really, and she made him kind of into a different person, and really it didn't take long for her to fall back in love with him. Although mm-hmm. she had married for kind of cold reasons. Uh-huh. Like she wanted a protector for her little son. And, mm-hmm. and but, he adopted mm-hmm. John Payne. So back to the, the French fashions that you were talking about. Yes. Dolly ditched the Quakerness almost immediately and wholeheartedly mm-hmm. i mean she is meant for it i don't know if she actually burnt her quaker things in the know. fireplace but i will guarantee she never put them on again the french fashion was described as bosoms and legs in the drawing room <laughs> so i don't know and it, you know a more unflattering fashion i can't imagine for anyone that has any of these bosoms it's just not good it's I, like right on
0: it's not yeah oh yeah but uh, on pure waist mm-hmm. and yeah it's like a shelf yeah. But, you know, if you want to show it off, that's a good way to. And, of course, we will put some fashion pictures up on mm-hmm. our website for you to view. For about
1: five <laughs> years, you had that Marie Antoinette at her little hamo low-waisted mm-hmm. thing that you probably saw in the Marie Antoinette movie. But mm-hmm. but then the waist just migrated up, and it's yeah um, all kinds of <gasps> messed up. But everyone, you know, everyone loved it. I have to say, Dolly's crowd didn't like Abigail Adams. Well, they thought she was like a hawk and glared at him all the time. But you know, Abigail didn't like the bosoms and legs in no, the drawing room. No,
0: no, she had problems with it when she went to France. Mm-hmm. And, and so here it is, right in her backyard, really. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, they they kind of mocked her. And um when John Adams won, the Madisons actually cruised out of town. Not because of the, you know, disapproval of the fashions, but they're like, the oh, my people, my people are not into, you know, let's go have some alone time in the country. <laughs> they just left politics for a little while. Um, they had about three years in the country, but but Jefferson immediately pulled him back
0: as the yes. Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. That's the third president, jo- Thomas Jefferson.
1: Yep. And he actually invited them to live in the White House, and he, you, it's not finished. No. And Thomas Jefferson was kind of pouring his money into Monticello. and. Mm-hmm. He had done nothing with the White House. He's a widower at the time, and he made no effort at all.
0: But he pulled Dolly in as his hostess. Yeah. For a lot of, and that's really where she got got going.
1: Yeah, he had this
0: huge distaste
1: for women in politics, though, Mm -hmm. because he had been in France, and, you know, the women used their influence Mm -hmm. to trick the men, and for some reason, Thomas Jefferson was not very in that. But Dolly kind of defied him.
0: Yeah, and, well, and she, she did a good job. She did a great she did a job. job. Anytime he had
1: to entertain wives of diplomats or anything, mm-hmm. Dolly was definitely was, his first choice of
0: hostess. She was hostess. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, she began to call on people in her famous green carriage, um, especially wives of foreign ministers and everything.
0: Green, that's a flashy car. I know,
1: it was a completely flashy <laughs> carriage, and it was well known about town, and, and she really, really put effort into calling on everybody and making them welcome because Thomas Jefferson put himself out for no one. Mm-hmm. And so, really, the social aspect of diplomatic relations really fell on Dolly Madison, and who was she? She was the wife of the Secretary of State. Right. She wasn't even really in the administration, really. Um, she was the social leader of Washington, but she never danced because Quakers didn't learn how
0: to dance. Mm-mm. Isn't that interesting? That is very, re- I, yeah. I, okay, I did not know that until yeah. this very moment. She kept it. That she, is really, yeah. Uh, made people danced. feel very welcome mm-hmm. and set the standard, but wow. never danced and and held court in the
1: in the corner and circulated and she had rich and influential friends including wives of newspaper owners and landowners and foreign ministers and um this person that i think we should cover in a future podcast called harriet martineau was the Mm -hmm. first woman sociologist
0: and that was her friend. Is that interesting? That's very interesting. She she was a networker before networking was cool. Yeah, and then she upped her game. So similar to the way
1: that no one ever regarded Sarah Jessica Parker as a fashion maven before she got on Sex and the
0: City. <laughs> Dolly Madison. She was a square peg though. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so uh, she upped her game. She the French minister's wife and she marie Angelique de Toreau gave her a French makeover. I mean. Super uh-huh. fashionable. The fashion dolls arrived first at Dolly Madison's house. Uh-huh. The two women would put their heads together, and they really made it. That's when, it, that's when her Sarah Jessica Parker that's moment happened.
0: her, her yeah. metamorphosis. She, was, she had the personality. She already she had. had the drive. Mm-hmm. She had the opportunities. And now she had the weaponry. And now, yeah, and now she's, she's polished. She's yeah. polished. Thomas Jefferson, being this
1: social dolt that he was, (laughs) thought it would be so funny to start at the White House seating people in what he called the the Pell-Mell style Uh and offended right and left by not, like, Ambassador, why don't you go sit by next to this servant guy and so-and-so, and (laughs) And everyone got offended right and left, and Dolly had to pull out that green carriage and her fancy white turban with Uh the feathers and repair some damage. damage.
0: Damage control. Yeah. yeah, she was just a spinner. I mean, yeah. you know,
1: PR and mm-hmm. that's awesome. And so she had written that a woman who wades into the contentious side of politics arouses the lurking hostility between the sexes and wins no friends. So. She Scarlett O'Hare did for a while. That's uh-huh. what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Pretended to
0: know nothing right. while simultaneously being learning everything. Yes, mm-hmm. she had a astute political mind. Mm-hmm. Gotta admire that. Someone that is just gonna pretend. <laughs> I mean, I, all right. I'm not admiring pretenders and posers. <laughs> just standing back and observing, mm-hmm. and then. Making their move. Well, so going to give it up to her. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Her husband is up for election as the president, and it was unheard of for a candidate to actively campaign for himself. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the slander started immediately, and they kind of talked bad about Dolly Madison, like she's loose, you know, loose moral character, and she's using her wiles to try to get her husband. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Well, there's
0: tabloid. I mean, there've been mm-hmm. tabloids around. I mean, we talked about that with Marie Antoinette. Abigail Adams got hit with the tabloids. Now mm-hmm. it's Dolly I mean, it's just the but, way of the world. But
1: Dolly said that the best technique is to just
0: listen and smile and nod
1: Ab- your mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. And that's something Abigail Adams never learned. Mm-hmm. Abigail Adams took it very personally. Right. She had a very thin skin, and mm-hmm. Dolly Madison's like, oh, this is how it goes. And so some well-placed insults at a dinner party mm-hmm. to the right people mm-hmm. knocked uh, knocked out some of the competition. So she got rid of Monroe with the well-placed criticism and the tireless entertaining got rid of a, another bachelor contender mm-hmm. who didn't have a hostess that mm-hmm. was willing to right. tire herself every day to entertain people. And so the only person left was, um, a man named Pinkney who, after he was defeated, was very bitter and said, I would have won if it wasn't for Dolly Madison.
0: <laughs> he
1: totally blamed his loss on <laughs> Dolly Madison. And I think it's kind of true. Uh, James Madison got a good weapon. Yeah, I I was just gonna
0: say, James Madison. You you said earlier how intelligent he was. He chose wisely, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that was a good partnership for them for them both. Hey, why don't we take a break before we head on into the presidency of James Madison?
1: so we're back and Dolly Madison uh, and James have made it to the White House one thing I forgot to tell you earlier when they got married Mm -hmm. at her sister's estate Mm -hmm. the attending young girls were so enamored with James Madison that he actually let them cut up part of his shirt to take away as souvenirs (laughs) He was the Justin Bieber would day. I can only imagine because he was so like shy and uncomfortable, but he had this huge hidden sense of humor. He uh-huh. probably thought that was hilarious. That is... that women were clamoring for a souvenir of
0: having met him. <laughs> Clothing. That mm-hmm. is uh That's how famous nothing. he was. I got nothing. That's how <laughs> that well,
1: that's amazing. what we're dealing with
0: here. So they really are a power couple mm-hmm. in all I mean in every sense of the word, in personality as well as in position.
1: Mm-hmm. But now that she's the president's wife, the bosoms and legs kind of get taken down a little mm-hmm. notch or two. She's dressed more dignified. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, in fact, met her guests at the inaugural ball, 400 guests, mm-hmm. um, in a long train with a turban on her head. And the 400 guests all danced. She didn't dance, but it got so crowded in there that they had to break out the windows so people could breathe.
0: It got too crowded. <laughs> yeah. It got to the point where all that the... Is a party right there. Party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the people started calling them squeezers when she had a party because so many people would We're try to go squeezed in. squeezers
0: <laughs> that's that's great we should have a squeezer party. I don't know. Maybe on the twenty ninth of April. Oh, the
1: royal wedding. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're on the wrong continent. Well, and
1: Dolly would lead groups of women to watch the uh, to watch Congress and later the Supreme Court. And any time there was someone who expressed disapproval of something her husband had said, she would turn to the ladies with an amused, delighted look. Isn't he just as good as a play? <laughs> well. So, see, she knew how to work Oh, it. she was working that room. Oh, ab- yeah. Absolutely. Jeez. So, after a little bit of buttering up, she got the equivalent. I've already done the, the conversion this time. So, there's $400,000 yes. $400, in today's money mm-hmm. allocated for three rooms of the White House that she wanted to redecorate. Uh, that that is, seems like a lot. It's a big renovation. I'm not sure if Mrs. Obama got $400,000 <laughs> to really do anything. But and the White House is, is new. I mean. It's brand new. It's, and it's still called the Presidential
0: Palace. Mm-hmm. I think um, so. It didn't have a little name yet. Well, it's it's called a palace. It should have a $400,000. Yeah. They <laughs> have budget. She okay. had a
1: lot of money spent on draperies. Um, It just was so amazing. People used to come just to stand open mouthed and look around. Mm-hmm. She had great taste. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it went so quickly because she had it all in her mind before the guy ever came to help her. She's like, it's going to be this. There's going to be yellow draperies, upholster things, in this. Mm-hmm. So he just executed. And so her Wednesday drawing rooms in her new fabulosity became really <laughs> famous. Um, so famous that newspaper accounts of them, I mean, there were accounts of women actually seizing the paper from their husbands at the breakfast table so they could read about <laughs> those things. <laughs> what was going on. And, you know, who was there? What right. were they wearing? Absolutely, It became kind of a national icon, this mm-hmm. house that mm-hmm. she had decorated. And people started calling it. The White House. And uh, it was greatly approved. Of as the people's name, you know, presidential palace that's that's old mother country, right? Right, this is the White House,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: was open more to, fitting yeah.
0: for our country, yeah, absolutely.
1: Britain and France, like they do so often in their histories, over and over and over, ad infinitum, uh-huh. are fighting again. Again, War of 1812. Kel surprise, mm-hmm. is all I'm saying, Me- which means not a surprise not at all, surprise. in fact. <laughs> it means what a surprise, but very sarcastically. So um, France, really, under Napoleon, you know, wanted to come mess with America, but really didn't have the f- the energy or the equipment to do so. So really, France was not the big threat. It was Britain that was once again, and, you know, keep in mind how soon this is after the Revolutionary War, right. really. I mean, it's maybe one generation. It's mm-hmm. really the same generation. Right are now the generals and the British, you know, and the admirals. So Britain started harrying our ships and started taking sailors and just basically started messing with us right off the coast. And in between of all this, Madison is re-elected to a second term, although it was kind of a squeaker, not mm-hmm. a squeezer, but a squeaker on that one. I think he was elected by one vote from the original 13 colonies, and then oh, the additional states kind of pushed yeah. him over. Like, the, new, the newer territory pushed him a little over, but, yeah, it was a one-vote deal in the original. So the British general... Sir George Coburn wrote to Dolly Madison a letter <laughs> saying that he was going to make his bow in her drawing room as the ruler of a captured Washington, D.C., and that he was going to take her and her husband back to London and parade them around. Nice. He's not cool.
0: Not really. Can you imagine? I- I'm assuming she opened her own letters. Well, seriously,
1: he didn't even write to James Madison. Here's wrote, to Dolly, wrote Madison. Right to
0: Dolly. And so she's sitting there reading her letters, which she had many of. Mm-hmm. We actually are going to link you up to a site because you know how much we like to do that. It's the Dolly Madison Project. And it's got a ton of her letters, her correspondence, and throughout her whole life, it, it is an amazing sight. And so we'll link you up to that. But, you know, the, her letters are all gossipy and the drawing room... Uh, Intrigues. Yes. And all of a sudden, she opens this
1: letter. <laughs> this yeah. Threat? <laughs> not, so, not so good. And he actually kind of made good on his threat because mm-hmm. within, you know, a very short period of time, there were 4,000 British soldiers about 35
0: miles from the capital. And this is when Dolly really steps up and shows her her patriotism. That's true. The thing is, though, unfortunately,
1: there was no regular army within striking distance of the capital. There was nothing to be done but call out the militia. And the the head of the militia was actually appointed because of... Who his family was, and not because of any military Mm -hmm. greatness. It was a favor done to Mm -hmm. someone, you know. Never thought I'd have to call these guys out. Right. And so here these guys are all jittery, you know, okay, let's go. So 6,000 of them, poor old things, (laughs) went away to meet these British. And James Madison, in a very kingly European way, took off with them mm-hmm. as their, you know, the head mm-hmm. as the symbol to lead them mm-hmm. against these British, right? And um, left Dolly behind with a guard of about a hundred people, a mm-hmm. hundred men left behind to guard the White House and guard her and the papers and etc. But Dolly decided that she was going to give a dinner party that day, mm-hmm. but everyone sent their note, like, um, no, <laughs> no we've
0: we got stuff to do, <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, we're not going to be there. Yeah.
1: So it was like the only dinner party
0: where no one came, but I can understand why. Yeah, they had a very good reason.
1: <laughs> so she spent the day on the roof with her telescope, spyglass, as she called it, uh-huh. which is quite lovely. I went to spyglass. Um So she was writing letters the whole day, because that's what she does, to her sister Lucy and wandering around on the roof of the White House looking for evidence that anything positive was happening at all. Her guards were getting jittery because they could hear the sound of the battle coming. And so mm-hmm. the guards bailed on her. <laughs> they left. That's yeah. so horrible. And so she kept getting these letters from her husband sent by, you know, sweaty, running... Scared men running mm-hmm. from the front. And the first letter's like, oh, no problem. This is going to be good. We're going to take care of this. Yeah. Ne- very next one. Get ready to go. Yeah. Any seconds? <laughs> yeah, not good. And so she started to put the cabinet papers and all the documents in mm-hmm. her famous green carriage because nobody could find a wagon. All the wagons, of course, had been used by fleeing citizens. But who got out early.
0: Yeah. But... And so,
1: you know, the cannons are rattling the windows. She still refuses to leave. And this part is cracking me up. She orders the cooks. To make dinner for James Madison when he comes back and about 10 other people. So can you see these cooks sitting there going, like, what? Like really seriously. Oh no, the table's set with the fancy silver and uh-huh. there is a dinner placed on this table. That's how optimistic this is. Yeah. Or maybe it was just a way to occupy her mind. I don't maybe. know. I can't imagine the cooks were very happy at not being allowed to flee. No. But at least they they were there and the soldiers left. Uh-huh. Very telling. <laughs> Interesting. So here, uh two more messengers came, urging her to leave. And she just rejected them. Like, well, I don't know who you are. How do I know you're really from my husband? Kind of like, mm-hmm. what, girl? You're hearing the cannons rattling your windows, and you still refuse to leave. So she's up on the roof with the spyglass, and she sees all these men kind of, like, cruising by. And it's really the remnants of... Uh, they bailed. They saw these people coming with red coats and mm-hmm. they scattered like chickens in a farmyard. Mm-hmm. There was no real serious battle. No. I think the only thing keeping him back was like actually rolling these cannons. Otherwise they probably would have been there a long time ago. And so here she is on the roof. Finally, a man came that she knew. Finally, he's like, really, madam, really, honestly, we've got to go. Mm-hmm. We've got to go now. Well, someone has found a wagon in which she's occupied herself putting all the china, uh-huh. and the, the draperies. She she took down the draperies. And used well, she it knows what they're gonna do when they get well, there. Well, that's true. And she wrapped all the china in it and mm-hmm. all the silver in it and mm-hmm. put that in the wagon because mm-hmm. she has all the papers in her in her carriage. Right already. On the way out though, she noticed a famous portrait of George Washington. Washington. Right. And decided that that could not be left behind. And so she ordered it taken down. Unfortunately, it was screwed to the wall. And everyone's freaking out, (laughs) running around. And she's like, take it down. They're like, we can't. It's screwed to the wall. And they're all ready to leave. And she insists that somebody go get an axe and break the frame and get out the canvas and roll it up carefully. So here she is telling them to roll it up carefully. They're probably sweating all over it. There's probably sweat marks all over it from freaking out. And then, um, then either she does or she does not save a copy of the Declaration of Independence. Historians are mm-hmm. not sure. They're definitely, she saved the George Washington portrait, right. which is the symbol of, you know, the birth of our nation. Right. And um, and that's what she gets, gets a lot of her political, you know. Yeah, credit from. Yeah. But there is also um, sim- a very credible series of witnesses that she broke a glass case where the first Declaration of Independence was held mm-hmm. and shoved it unceremoniously in a suitcase. So the portrait <laughs> got more respect than the Declaration, Declaration of, Independence. of Independence. So the British arrived. They came. Earned that White House. But before they burnt the White House. They took souvenirs all over, wandered all over to shove things in their pockets. Then they sat there and they ate up that dinner that was still hot. And they drank up all the wine on the table. Yes, they did. And then, this is so dirty, get this. Okay. The guy showed up and and looked at Dolly Madison's seat cushion, and he actually had the temerity to insult the size of her booty. (laughs) I'm just like, was that necessary? That was not necessary. That's funny. So add insult to injury. And yeah. then they set the thing on fire. In that, yeah. Including the <laughs> cushion, well, I hope, whatever. And so they did set it on fire. They set a lot of stuff on fire. They set the treasury. I mean, they just went through just yeah. burning it well, to show their yeah. might or whatever. Mm-hmm. They had been warned. Yeah, and so Dolly Madison had fled the city, but she got to an inn, and everyone panicked and said, no, you got, you got to get out of here. You can't stay here. You can't no, go, you cannot stay here because they're going to be they're chasing be looking you. They're for you, right. And so, you know, there's the green carriage. Who's that, I wonder, mm. you know. So they sent her further on, and, and ultimately she met up with her husband uh, about 14 miles away, and, and then they went to some, some safety, but they were actually back in about four days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The British had left. There was an accident with an exploding gunpowder factory or something, and that killed a lot of British guys, and there was this torrential thunderstorm and lightning, and they just kind of, they got a little spooked, and they... Left, which allowed people to come back look
0: around. And I think it's interesting because they went how far? 14 miles away, mm-hmm. you know. And we think now, if you're fleeing a city, you're gonna go a little bit more than 14 miles away, you know. I know. It's, it's not that. Far, it's kind but of, it was far enough. Yeah, it was kind I mean, of
1: like the Braintree thing with Abigail mm-hmm, Adams. Right. It's like
0: really, I can commute
1: there easily on a bicycle at right. this point. You know, to right. Boston. You know. Right. But then it was considered far enough away from the cannons that you weren't in danger. That you could stand up on a hill and watch. Very through. strange. <laughs> so the um so Dolly's story and the popularity of the White House kind of galvanized American resolve right here. hmm Because she comes back.
0: And mm-hmm. she just sets up her social calendar again. Mm-hmm. Um, the, ver- the very next thing the British business. did. Yeah,
1: that's true. They um. Okay, this is actually an interesting, this is a place in history okay. for you. Right after they burnt all of this down, the British went to Baltimore and set upon Fort McHenry because it was kind of critical for shipping trade and, mm-hmm. and to blockade. And so they set on Fort McHenry, and there was a ship anchored out in the in the um, harbor watching the battle. Mm-hmm. And a man named Francis Scott Key was on that ship, and he wrote the Star Spangled Banner, just a little song which made. I will not sing. No, I always try <laughs> to trick Susan into singing, and she just never will. Although I got you
0: once, <gasps> or, or twice, or twice.
1: <laughs> so that's when the star. The, this is the era when the Star Spangled Banner, right. Banner was written, right? Like right after Dolly yeah. cruised with. The Declaration right. of Independence. Right. So the war after this goes back and forth, and at one point when it was going badly, there were call- calls for James Madison's impeachment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but they did win. They won Andrew Jackson, who's going to later become the president, mm-hmm. won the Battle of New Orleans. Which was the key. That was, like, the straw that broke the camel's back. That was the turning point. And so, at the victory celebration, even the servants were allowed to drink champagne at Dolly Madison's house, and no one saw them again for two days. <laughs> <laughs> the vast majority of them just didn't, uh, they were upstairs laying down with big, big heads. Oh, yeah, they used to have contests at, at her parties before she became the president's lady.
0: Uh, Drinking contests? Mm-hmm. With champagne. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. See, you thought they were so
0: starched up. You I never know. thought they were starched up. <laughs> so the last two years, really. Although I did not give them beer bong with champagne bong. <laughs> I don't know that that is drinking out of
1: shoes or whatever. I think that's, yeah.
0: But, um, so the last two years in
1: office, that's just a love fest. It was like, I love you, James Madison, said the the people. I love you, country, said James Madison. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, they had a good time. And of
0: course, you know, term limits being what they were. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mm are. Right. But Dolly actually said, said, got busy, um, unlike her two predecessors. Um, it, it, with philanthropic endeavors because the country was getting a little more stable and a little more, um, you know, they're venturing forth. She actually fundraised for the Lewis and Clark expedition. That was her, one of her things. She is rumored to have been the first one to hold um, the Easter egg hunt on the as-yet-unlandscaped lawn. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, you know, and that still continues today.
1: And wasn't she the one that became the one, the first person to be called the first lady? The first lady is the title mm-hmm. that was Dolly Madison, and she earned it. She did. She earned it big time. She was a good half to the mm-hmm. the more administrative side to the presidency. I think. Yeah, oh, it was I a good social part. Totally agree. Their son, well, his her stepson, son. her son. Right? Uh, did he? Man, he did not turn out very well. I don't know what it is with these presidential sons. I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, he pursued women, and James Madison kept most of this from his wife, knowing, you know, he was the apple of mama's eye, but Mm -hmm. really $800,000 by the time it was all done. By the time James Madison had died, he estimated he had spent $800,000 in today's
0: money bailing that guy out of debt. Unbelievable, because he gambled. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, chasing the skirts.
1: And yeah. he would roam around Europe just basically signing, Oh, my stepfather will pay this mm-hmm. you know and he would sign, you know, per James I mean, Madison. Just and he was so famous, they're like, Oh, you're his
0: son uh, yeah.
1: yeah. So he got credit all over the place and had to get bailed out. So I'm not for good. father of
0: entitlement.
1: <laughs> my goodness, I guess so. So um they had twenty years together at Montpelier, which was his estate mm-hmm. that he had inherited from in his Virginia. father in Virginia. Dolly uh never said that she never left him for more than a few minutes at a time during that period. That's very sweet. Even though she really did yearn for the excitement of the Capitol, Mm -hmm. her husband was getting pretty infirm by then, Mm -hmm. and and he had this great desire to leave his papers, you know, to society, Mm -hmm. and she helped him transcribe, and she just, she was like, how can I abandon him? No, she can't. Yeah, Yeah. so, so she was there. And then Paul Jennings was a slave valet, or valet, as the British would say. I don't know which is correct. Um, he was on hand at his death, and he was there when Dolly Madison took the, the portrait down. And he has a whole memoir of being in that household, too. So we'll put a link to where you can read that
0: online, too. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating.
1: Um, so after his death, Dolly had some financial
0: reverses. Not only. <laughs> Payne is still being a pain. John mm-hmm. Payne is. And she actually has to sell their home Yeah, that was in, in the, the Madison family, part of the land, um, as well as the presidential papers mm-hmm. to get John Payne out of debt. And she moves back to Washington when she does that. So she's back in her city, back on her home turf. Now, I will say, just like we talked about before with the
1: founding fathers, James Madison had a hundred slaves a hundred at montpelier and dolly really agonized over selling them because well i mean a lot of them were infirm she Mm -hmm. was actually spending a lot of money taking care of them Mm -hmm. and they were really kind of part of the family Mm -hmm. and part of the household but she ended up having two and you know some of the favorite ones she quietly sold to neighbors so that they could stay with their families Mm -hmm. you know but then in the end the bulk of them had to go. Now, except for Paul Jennings, the valet, (laughs) as they called him, she actually made a kind of shady deal with Senator uh, Daniel Webster, and she sold Paul Jennings to him. But Paul Jennings was functionally free from that moment, and he worked for Daniel Webster and earned money and paid Daniel Webster back for buying it. So, I mean, it was like a conspiracy or whatever. She didn't actually free him, but really... uh, Yeah.
0: Well, she used the same mind that she used in politics, Yeah. To help out these people that she cared about and and lived with.
1: So, you know, to modern ears, that all is very harsh, and it really is very harsh. But, uh, you know, she did become a beloved symbol in Washington. Mm -hmm.
0: She moved back. Like I said, she had sold the papers to Congress, his presidential papers, to, to earn money to support herself. And people would also help her out without... Appearing to help her out, you know, and, and, and take care of her in, in, in her older age, she actually gets an honorary seat in Congress so I didn't that know she that. can still go to co- that's awesome, so that she can still uh, watch the proceedings. I wonder if she made those comments. I don't know now, <laughs> or if she just, I honestly, I don't, I, don't I don't know. That would be interesting. If you know, let us know. Samuel Morse, who, is, who invents the telegraph, he actually gives Dolly Madison the honor of being the first person to send a telegraph that's that just tells you how this woman is i mean she has no political aspirations at this point she is just beloved by her community and and given these these honorary positions and and carried through her her older years by the people that respected and loved her Uh, outside you know not these aren't her family these are the 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 family that she chose, the, her her friend family, and they mm-hmm. and they really took care of her and, and honored her.
1: When she died, um, the president at the time was Zachary Taylor, and he actually gave her a state funeral, which was a, a great honor. To right,
0: him. right. And uh, she died of unknown causes. She she went to sleep and didn't wake up at age eighty one, which is. That's a pretty good life. Mm -hmm. 81. Her son actually only outlives her by two years, and he dies of typhoid fever, which apparently took a lot of people around that time.
1: So what she brought to the party, really, definitely cleverness, some Mm -hmm. political savvy that hadn't been seen before, really, and a tolerance of other points of view, uh, at least in public, Mm -hmm. although she was very clever at manipulating behind the scenes. Mm -hmm.
0: But manipulating and not in a negative way. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was very, well, she was in love. She She was was a beloved woman and and that's the reputation that um lives on as a matter of fact she was so beloved and such a such a pillar as a hostess that in the 1930s the zinger company would create a snack cake line under her name dolly madison i mean you remember that watching the peanut specials when we were kids always sponsored by dolly madison but actually that is it's spelled incorrectly on the on the snack cake line it's d-o-l-l-y on the snack cake line and our Dolly is D-O-L-L-E-Y. And that was actually her given name. It wasn't Dorothea. It was That's the name that's written on her birth certificate. And the name that she always used was Dolly. So when all of this
1: started to happen, all this adulation of Dolly Madison was around 1876 for our first centennial. It became the fashion to harken back to the simpler days. It was just nostalgia. <laughs> just like now for the 1950s. Right, like, exactly. Wasn't it lovely when life was simpler? Simples, and, like
0: in Dolly Madison's day And she
1: was very... Very, very, very famous for being a hostess, and mm-hmm. an infinite amount of products started to become named after her. Oh. The website that Susan referenced earlier, the Dolly Madison Project, has so many pictures of Dolly Madison ice cream, Dolly Madison this, Dolly Madison that, many China lines. China, and silver. Mm-hmm. and uh, This is all the, the late 1800s is when right. this all started to happen, and I think that was... You know when it went through the 20s and went through the 30s um mm-hmm. just her name
0: became synonymous with gracious hostess after you listen to our podcast and read the show notes just please go over there it's, a, it's an easy to um, navigate site and there's way more pictures than we will ever put up for any person just the information and her letters and you know the the her friends and their confidants and you know everything is in there and it's just it's it's really cool you should go <laughs> So, in closing, Dolly
1: Madison is not just a snack cake. <laughs>
0: Say that again and I won't laugh.
1: <laughs> for show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at thehistorychicks. With, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook. Without an X. If you'd like to see in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com.